People like you, organizations like Rape Check, I love you guys. You are clear for takeoff runway 21 left, winds are calm. Stand by for the free trans on uniform. It's showtime! Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the Ramcheck Podcast. I'm Tony. I'm Aaron. And I'm Ryan. Welcome, little girl. <laughs> Ryan, on, on, Ryan on time as usual with that five second delay. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, yes. It, it is morning uh, here in the States when we're recording. It's about uh, 10 a.m. So. Yeah. It's a little bit later where our uh, special guest is located. We're going to tell you about him in just a second. But I just wanted to say um, uh, we didn't get to really say it on our last real episode of the podcast. Happy Veterans Day to everybody in the U.S. Uh, last week. And we put out uh, a couple of special editions of the Ramcheck podcast. If you guys haven't heard him yet, a salute to our uh, military veterans, of course, uh, past, present, future i guess if you want um <laughs> yeah. some of our our uh our our best moments i guess or favorite moments um from past interviews we've had with some of our veterans so check those out uh ramp check podcast of course available on apple Podcasts, spotify uh stitcher pandora pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts all right, right. enough That's of right. that <clears throat> how about we introduce our guest Yes, absolutely. I'll 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 jump in here. Uh, I've been communicating with our guest a little bit off and on for the past, I don't know, month or two. But uh, we're actually really excited to have him on uh, because he actually featured us in in a in a video that that he does it through an organization that I'll explain here in a minute. But um, um, wanted to uh, really introduce uh, professional photographer and journalist. Um, he's been doing this for years, uh, probably like 30 years or so, ever since I was a little kid. But uh, <laughs> this is Rich Cooper from the UK. Welcome. Thanks so much, guys. It is an absolute pleasure to be here. Oh, <laughs> well, we're, we're, we're grateful that you came you. on. <laughs> you bet, you bet. <laughs> yeah, so... so what uh yeah, let me ask you what, what time is it in the uk right now uh it's just gone five o'clock so i was uh concerned as to whether i'd join you guys for a beer or a coffee i was a bit confused by it all but <laughs> I think i've gone for a really safe water uh water sorry water, water anyway. <laughs> awesome rich i i have a coffee um okay. but as but since I. It's five o'clock i mean it sounds like it's time for a beer for you. It does. It does. That, that would be great. And once this whole COVID thing's over, let's let's uh, hold each other to that. We can actually have a, sit down and have a, a beer together in Utah somewhere or anywhere, quite frankly, right now. Absolutely. Well, you know, yeah. we've always, Farnborough has always been on our bucket list. So maybe <laughs> Has it really? Oh, man. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I live really close to Farnborough. I was actually oh, born wow. in Farnborough. Um, or Farnborough, as, as you say, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was, it, yeah, it's just literally over the, over the road for me. And my my father's, in fact, the the Farnborough historian as well, because obviously that's where aviation started in, in this country, right? So, 
Um, I've got a lot of connections there. And the, the show's amazing. You know, it, it's, it's synonymous with aviation over here, but it has, it's changed quite a lot. I don't want to get your hopes up too much, but it's, it's a shadow of its former self, let me tell you. But it's, it's still cool if you're into the whole aviation thing as a big picture. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pun intended. But in in terms of a spectacle that it was, it you know, nah, it's um, yeah. it's pretty different. We can show you, still show you a good time over here, though, dude. Don't, so you don't need it, to that. Is it uh, Riyadh that pretty much took over for the main show in the UK as far as the popularity? Yeah, okay. it did. Yeah, and only insofar as uh, the um, the size of the event, you know, because yeah. obviously Riyadh and Farnborough are very different approaches to very different styles of show. True, so true. Got a lot more now into the kind of like the military air attaches and that sort of thing. So mm -hmm. big conference that takes place at the same time so it's elevated its status in that way and certainly within the industry it has but um farm has always just been about you know aviation industry developments um yes, yes. since day one really so um they're, they're, they're two pretty different shows but in terms of spectacle yeah i mean rear is is another level it's incredible yeah. <laughs> which one would you say is the better show or does each one serve a specific purpose uh there's a clear answer to that now rear is a far better show it's it's a extravaganza it really is it's it's an amazing feast of action of stuff than of aircraft types and air arms that mm -hmm. you know it's quite easy to get blase about because i live in europe and the uk overseas but um you know seeing russian built types and all these weird air forces come through and being able to get decent photographs of them is is you know it makes the event fantastic but mm. Farnborough has its gems still now and again, but it, it really, yeah, you can't really compare the two. I mean, yeah. even even down to the, the business side of things, it's a very different beast now, you know, and f photographically you can, I mean, you, you can get some results at Farnborough if you work hard at it, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, it's, it's chalk and cheese, really. So it sounds like <laughs> I need to change my uh, bucket list to uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Damn, I wish <laughs> I would have <laughs> <laughs> just the history alone should bring you over man it's it's uh yeah just to stand on that hallowed turf <laughs> yeah hey yeah. We're, we're, yeah we're all about that we definitely yeah. need to uh let me, need to let, come me visit. One, let me mention one more thing aaron and ryan then i'll let you guys jump in i um if that's okay oh geez tony you got it sure aaron. go right ahead <laughs> <laughs> well Rich, I'm looking at a lot of your photos that you have on Facebook and Instagram. Okay. Uh, by the way, if you want to follow Rich, uh, Rich Cooper UK on Instagram, I, I highly suggest you get on there and follow him. But I was looking and you've got a lot of Cold War era stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Photographs. And I have always been fascinated by the cold war especially the aviation side and mm -hmm. again talking about my bucket list is i want to get back over to europe i want to go through uh uh germany i i want to see some of the old russian cold war uh museums that they might have as well yeah, and, yeah fascinated by your photography oh that's really cool thank you yeah, i think that era is it's probably the last one of, you know, where the, the aircraft had so much character and color, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, and that, you know, I mean, the, I always, when I'm trying to talk about aviation to, to non-aviation guys, like my family or whatever, you know, it's quite easy to, 
describe the stuff that's out there now flying around as like this amazing technical um, advancement of the aviation industry. Like, but they're they're the equivalent of what we would say like a Ford Mondeo flying around the sky. You know, it's like a <laughs> yeah. mass produced, do the job really really well, but not a lot of character. Whereas my interest lies in the kind of E-type Jaguar sort of era, and then mm. they get it. Like, oh yeah, okay, the classic shapes, the classic designs where you really had to drive that car to, to know how to drive it well and everything else you know so i think that that's a good analogy on on why the cold war is so appealing you know that that era of of mm -hmm. so many different designs and massive air forces and as i said color and color schemes and squadron markings everywhere and smoky jets i mean what's not to like right yeah exactly <laughs> i know Amen. i mean one of our most favorite is the uh, b52 from that eric yeah. man it still smokes yeah and uh, yeah. yeah absolutely everything yeah. that you just described rich is is really i mean what makes aviation and and the photography side and the video side of it so exciting because i mean and and, and most people that have the aviation blood you know quote unquote they 100% understand and it's funny that you mentioned people that aren't really into aviation how mm. They just, they, they really don't understand. And so yes, uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's, hard, it it's hard to get that through to them. It is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Definitely. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. So um, first off, what I'm going to ask uh, Rich is let's get a little bit of your background and, and how you got into loving aviation so much. Uh, what oh, is your you background? Have, have you flown? Is it mostly your love and passion of the photography and the aviation. Um, where did it all begin for you, Rich? Okay, so I, I mentioned earlier my, my father was the um, historian at, at Farnborough, which is obviously, you know, an incredible place to be a historian. Cause yeah, really. So, um, so he, he and my <clears throat> grandfather have got a, a really illustrious um, career in, in aviation. So my, my grandfather was actually involved in the in the development of the aircraft carrier you know like in terms of the angled wow. deck and the catapults and oh, the straps and the wires you know they, they did all that at farnborough that's where it was built and discovered and developed and stuff so my, my grandfather was responsible for for a lot of that work so then having a dad that was obviously followed those footsteps as well and so I worked at Farnborough and went over to work on Saudi Air Force Lightnings and went into the aviation industry as an insurance advisor and assessor. I, and and growing up in that Cold War era, uh -huh. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's so much to grab your attention, right? So, you know, my dad used to take me to air shows all the time. I lived underneath the approach at Farnborough, so I used to cycle there after school and I could see the approach from my maths school mm. you know so I'd, i can remember like sitting sitting maths exams and just sitting there watching comets land at farmbury oh, you know? wow I mean, seriously it's just uh, yeah i'm that old comets <laughs> that's so cool though that's ridiculous that's isn't it classic oh, i love it it, it, was, it was really i mean what, what a way to spend our childhood right just jumping yeah. on a bike and going to a, an, an airfield and seeing what came in there to a test establishment amazing yeah so my my dream from there was to to go into the RAF as a photographer. Um, mm. my, my dad was a, always a, a photographer, and he he gave me uh, one of his cameras. I think it's an Olympus OM10. Uh, oh, at yeah. age, age seven, I was using that, um, and oh, I mean that, that's not yeah right. About camera, 
here we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that that was, I remember shooting with that at uh, the 1982 Farnborough air show, funny enough, back to Farnborough again. Um, and so I, I just always had a camera in my hand and aviation in my sights forever. So mm-hmm. uh, I went, went, wanted to go into the RAF as a photographer. That was my, my dream to do so. But uh, And I had every intention of doing so after leaving school. But right when I left school, the RAF started to do some massive cutbacks mm-hmm. um, you know, across the, the whole of the armed services, you know, in terms of personnel and everything else. So mm-hmm. um, they put me on hold for ages, like – they didn't even know for how long. So they said to me, go and go away and do something useful for a while and, and come back to us. <laughs> so I went, I went and, went and worked in a, uh, in a camera shop and just kind of like, uh, learn all the different makes and models of cameras and like even how to deal with annoying customers and yeah, telephone yeah. management. I know, I'm only 16. You know what I mean? So it was, it was quite, it was a useful time. Right. Yeah. And uh, and I then went back to the RAF and said, any any chance? And they were like, no, nah, it's just not going to happen. We can offer you air traffic or um, photo interpretation, I think they were calling it, sort of like looking at recce, recce cameras results and stuff, oh, which is quite yeah. interesting. But yeah. I, I wanted to be that photographer, you know. So um, <laughs> I, I, by that stage, life had moved on a little bit. And, I, you know, things, yeah. Things took took a few t- turns, and it and it quickly became obvious that I was just going to wait around forever. So, I actually went to work at uh, Heathrow Airport in in an aviation information data supply company. Mm. So basically, I I very quickly learned the the commercial aviation industry um, at the back of my hand. You know, and I, I, we would supply data to airline manuf- airline uh, airlines and airline manufacturers. Um, about what the competition was doing kind of thing. So Airbus oh, okay. would buy our data to see what Boeing was up to and British Airways would buy our data to see what Virgin Atlantic were doing, that kind of thing. And this data was, was going worldwide. You know, we were covering all sorts of stuff, the development of engines, the different, uh-huh. different aircraft types. You know, this is at a stage where Airbus was thinking about the A3XX, you know, which became the A380. Oh, yeah. and Boeing, Boeing were going yeah. down the Dreamliner angle and looking looking very different than it did. So it was a really interesting time to be in the industry. And um, I found that I was I could write, you know, so I, as well as the data, I was able to then supply the data in, in like a journalist format. So we, we were doing monthly publications. We were doing biannual publications, annual publications, and a weekly news magazine as well. And it was during those that sort of that period of covering news stories that I met uh, the the editor of Aircraft Illustrated magazine. Okay, and that, that magazine was was one of the world's longest, you know, in in print and production at the time, and it was certainly a, a, a leader within Europe uh, in the genre. And mm-hmm. I got on like a house on fire with the, with the editor. He's a great guy, and I was, and he his his deputy was going on a round the world travel thing. And uh, he asked me to come along for a job interview. So I went along and the, the entire interview just consisted about what, what music I liked. And that was it. <laughs> I, I got the job. I don't know quite oh, how, well, how that was like. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was insane. The best job interview I've ever had. So uh, I then, so that was 98 by this day, 1998. And I, I okay. was editor of Aircraft Illustrated. And then that, that lasted 10 years. Uh, and in that, also in that ten years, we we purchased Combat Aircraft magazine and bought that uh, from the previous publisher, Airtime Publishing. 
and okay. brought it over to the UK. And I was editor of that for the same period. So I was editor of Combat Aircraft and deputy editor of Aircraft Illustrated for that 10-year period to about 2008. And we did some crazy stuff in that time. You know, there were so many aircraft types retired in the yeah. period. You think yeah. the early 2000s, man, what, what we lost in that period. Oh, mm -hmm. It was criminal. So I made it a bit of a, a mission, if you like, to really hit all those types and get up close action with, with those units and aircraft types that are going out of service. So, mm -hmm. you know, you, you think of what we you know, Drakens, Vigans, Sea Harriers, oh. Jaguars, F-104s, I, I mean, F-4s, everywhere do you know what i mean it was just an insane yeah, period a little bit of everything. Them all, like in the period of a few years crazy mm -hmm. yeah very fortunate to be doing my my job to be covering that sort of stuff at the time so uh, -huh. uh i left left the mags in about 2008 and i went and did some completely different stuff i, I actually set up a few um youth soccer teams for very uh misbehaving young people you know what the power of football right sorry the power yeah, of soccer that's right, right? That's that's right. Soccer. better to better to have that's them be angry on the field than anywhere else exactly. right well yeah in a way there's only so many red cards that can be handed yeah exactly out. yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly. It, was, it was an interesting time um but that yeah so i did i did that for a few years and ran a, a charity for young people i think for about four and a half five years and still kept my hand in aviation doing some freelance bits and then uh 2015 came along and that's where i set up the center of aviation photography which is what i do now yeah which is wow. so cool and and people people should go uh to your website Yep. And it's spelled, it's spelled for those of us here in the States, center is C-E-N-T-R-E of aviationphotography.com. You see, I, I'm really clever. I actually, I actually purchased the other domain as well because oh, I knew. Yeah, because you knew yeah, people it, were going to type it can, like that. You can make your crazy Queen's English mistakes there. I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's so funny. Um, that's great. Um, so uh, during during uh, this time, especially you mentioned, Rich, um, the, uh, you know, so many different, you know, Cold War era type yeah. retiring uh, virtually almost all together at once. Uh, was there uh, a specific um, event or something that you attended when you were covering all this that really sticks, you know, sticks out? to you that was either a special moment or something that was incredible to witness uh or even a favorite type that you saw uh during all these uh retirements damn that's a hell of a question <clears throat> i'm very fortunate to have done a lot in my career so yeah that is really hard to answer but i and it there's different ways to answering it, I guess. There's there's ways sure. in which I can answer it photographically, you know, because mm -hmm. I've done some incredible stuff with with Phantoms at sunset and mm -hmm. 117s out of Holloman on their final operational flights and that kind of stuff, which which all were amazing. And Tomcats uh, on their last ever operational cruise, that kind of stuff. But oh, wow. I think it, the, the one that sprang to mind immediately when you said that was probably the Italian Starfighters. Oh, that, Wow. That was a pretty monumental time in my life for for a lot of reasons, and that's that's it's funny enough almost why we're talking today in a way because um, so I, I went over 
to Grazanice, as it's uh, as, which was the last Starfighter base over there, Grazanice and Grosseto. Okay. And uh, Grazanice was incredible. It's like a, an open farmland, uh, you know, just these howling dinosaurs of F 104s <laughs> operating from shelters and a flight line on QRA and everything. It was incredible. And oh, right next to a, I remember right next to a, a field full of buffalo, and it's actually where buffalo mozzarella comes from that you you know we have on pizzas right so oh, wow. the, literally the best pizza i've ever had was was in uh this this village with the staff <laughs> so but that's not the reason i remembered it it kind of is but it's, it's in the mix it's in the mix it's not the reason but the, the reason i've chosen that one is because that's kind of where uh the the notion of of me sharing aviation and photography with groups of people came from so okay. uh, of, of those magazines as i said and at the time and obviously they were going out of service and it's the last starfighters did you know the last century jets in service anywhere in the world okay uh, it's a pretty big deal so I, I made it my business to, to to go over there and cover this and i got really friendly with the guys you know they, they were they were fantastic they really knew they had something special there as well you know there was a connection to their aircraft it wasn't just the job they knew that you know, hey, I'm a starfighter pilot. Do you know what I mean? That's pretty mm -hmm. cool. Oh, yeah. Um, I can't do the accent, but uh, <laughs> it, it was, they, they knew and they, they shouted about it a lot. So it was just a really good setup. And I ended up going over there about probably about three or four times in a short space of time, just really. And I knew the airfield inside out. I knew the people inside out. I knew where to get the best shots and where the light was going to be and all that kind of thing. So mm -hmm. it was really cool. And um, built up some good relationships as well. So with that in mind, I was then going back and writing about this in the magazines. And it struck me that although our readers of the magazine got an experience of what it's like on on the base through my writing and photography and everything else, it's, no, it's not the same as being there, as it actually experiencing it. So I, I thought, well, what if I, I knew these guys really well by this stage? You know, what if I thought, said to them, can I bring some of my readers over? So mm. that got all rolling very quickly. So on my next trip over there, I, I sat down with the guys. It was actually the base commander. And I said, look, I'd, I'd like to bring some of my readers over um, to, to witness this before it's too late, you know, this history. And he was really cool about it. It's like, yeah, yeah, sounds a, sounds a really good idea. Um, how many people are you thinking? And I, I was like, oh, my goodness. Well, I didn't even expect them to be this well. So uh, I said, I racked my brain. I was thinking, well, how big's a coach? And I was thinking, oh, okay, I think there'd be about 40 people in a coach. So I said, oh, 40, something like that. And he, he sort of went to quiet. And I was like, oh, here we go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 14 people, 14. Yeah, I think I think we could do that, 14. And I was like, oh, no, no, like four times as many as that. I'm thinking, I'm thinking a whole coach load, dude. So I said, okay, well, yeah, that's brilliant. But I'm actually thinking 40 people you know a big a big, big coach because i know people are just going to love it and he just mm -hmm. sat back in a chair and he folded his arms and he said sure we just to get more pizza and that was it <laughs> whole concept was born from that moment so i, I ended up taking <laughs> i think about four coaches of 40 over in a, in a space of about a year oh wow and you know, hey, let me interrupt you. Let me interrupt you real quick, real, yeah. real quick, Rich, because I I want to make a point on this that how cool it is that you set that up because so many times in in this 
quote unquote industry or field, people are extremely selfish with opportunities. And oh, so yeah. the fact that you actually, you know, reached out and yeah. made this happen for your readers is is incredible. And yeah. I commend you for that. I mean, that's so cool. That's that's how I would hope I would, you know, how we would act in the same circumstance. So that's, yeah. that's great, man. That's yeah, really cool. That's really cool. Thank you. Thank you. So that that uh, gave birth to what what was called then the Aviation Photo Club, and uh, you had to become a subscriber of the magazine to join it. And then we'd go on uh, readers' tours. You know that that's what we would do. Wow. And the company I worked with had a travel travel agent arm to it as well. So that that was all worked really well together but that that stopped when i uh when i left magazines in 2008 uh mm. which is when my good friend jamie took over combat aircraft uh that the the company decided not to continue that concept mm. and go in a different direction so that that finished now I, i'm then out of the aviation world because i'm then working in, in the charities mm-hmm. um and there was no none of this you know um photography travel side of things really going on at that stage so um, fast forward then to 2015 and people I see on the, in the circuit are saying to me like how much they miss it and how they'd love to see that sort of thing happen again. And in that era as well, digital came about, right? You know, uh-huh. in, that, in that period of 2008 to 2010, 12, 13, 14, everyone went digital. So, and I still felt that I had a lot to give the industry as we call it the hobby the industry whatever you want to call it yeah and uh so i you know i sat down with my my colleague steve comba who um who used to take some of the photography trips with me back in the day and i said well how how about we set something else up now you know the the time sort of feels right i i could you know make it work and make it happen on not necessarily you know the world's a very different place than what it was in in the early 2000s not necessarily in terms of you know getting uh massive groups of people operational military access because that's not what it's about but certainly offering aviation photography adventures and experiences with an added element of uh tutorial and instruction i'm all over that yeah absolutely yeah yeah so yeah um that's what we did we set up co-op center of aviation photography uh in 2015 and then it crashed and burned in <laughs> in March. <laughs> so I, I set up a business that was involved taking strangers to mass events using aviation. I mean, literally every single industry that is hit the hardest right now, right? Oh, the worst. So all of that is on pause until we return with a bang in 2021. Exactly. We hope. Yes. We hope. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Oh man. Not, uh, not 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 to get too far away from from aviation just give us a quick update on what's going on with you guys in the UK in regards to that i think our listeners would be curious to hear yeah sure i mean i i said earlier if there's a competition to see who's got the most crazy country out of the uk and the us we'd be here all night you know <laughs> fighting over that title it's insane right you know good it really is insane so we're 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 currently right now halfway through our second lockdown (laughs) and it's a bit of a different lockdown to the first time around in that there's um uh people can go to work people can go to school because obviously that wasn't happening in the in the first big one over the summer Mm -hmm. yeah Um, there's colleges and schools open although they're rapidly closing left right and center as you know someone breaks out with a covid infection at the school and they send that year 
year group home, they send that year group home, then the school closes and people have to come off work to look after the kids. So it's, it's a mess, you know, it's a, it's a hard work mess, that's for sure. But there's no pubs open or bars or entertainment or yeah. any sporting any um, stuff happening whatsoever. Uh, I mean, it's happening, but without, without spectators. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's pretty painful. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, same no goes here. Yeah. Uh, you can still get out and take pictures of airplanes, though, right? Uh, not really at the moment. No, oh. you're restricted in your travel. Um, so if you live near an airfield, then you, you're allowed to exercise then and you, you know, you can walk there and everything else. But, you know, driving miles and going to a base and, you know, filling up with petrol and going to that, that restaurant to eat and having a drink at that bite. No, there's, you, you can't do any of that. It's a, it's a, you know, pretty stringent Jeez. lockdown, but it's not, not Jeez. as strict. Last time, I mean, during the summer, we were only allowed out for like an hour. Oh my but, god, how yeah. awful! <sighs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, this whole thing yeah. is so frustrating. I mean, we're we hear you, man, and we, you know, we're not on a nationwide lockdown because here in the U.S., it's you know pretty much decided with each state's governor, you know, to what level of you know mask requirement or lockdown or whatever and it's it's pretty much a cluster here too man i mean it's yeah. it's all over the place and you've got governors overstepping their bounds and yeah you know, telling people yeah. they can't even have thanksgiving and i mean it you know coming up for us here in the us it's kind of a big deal and i, I don't know it and then we're having to deal with a, a crazy you know, election in the middle of it here. So, I mean, it's was there like, an election? I missed that. No, I wasn't <laughs> <much in this. laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we're still dealing with that. So, oh man. Um, I can trade you that for Brexit if you like. It's like our, our equivalent of Brexit. There you go. Yeah, yeah really? So I guess funny. we're just going to have to cut, sit back and, yeah, pick your poison. Yeah, see how <laughs> yeah, it takes exactly. out over the next few months. So, yeah, yeah, you bet. Oh, man, hey, well, it's, it's time to dive into the archives, I guess. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, one yeah. yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, um, I, I have uh, Tony. Did you have another? I, I had something I wanted to bring up too, as as uh, Rich was talking. Um, and then there was. Uh, and then after your Go question, ahead. we'll let uh, Ryan chime in, and then I've got something too. Yeah, oh, yeah, thanks. okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Ryan, you need to be more assertive, brother. <laughs> um, I'm just I know. kidding. R- R- Ryan's a little, little bit quieter. That's right, exactly. But so, uh, so Rich, you had mentioned, you know, all these retiring aircraft, and and you'd mentioned the, I believe you said the F one seventeen, right? when you yep. were talking about that list. So let's talk a little bit about all the recent F-117 action. And let's, let's also talk about that photograph with the two F-117s in the calendar. And oh, okay. You're going to go there. Yes, I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there, brother. So on your Facebook post, it says, when you don't know your arse from your elbow. <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's start with with that, and then let's go to all the current F one seventeen action that's going on. Sure. So that, there's a, a bit of a backstory with that F one seventeen with the 
So as for those that don't know, it's, it's, a, it's a brake shot with the flag jet, which is the, um, the kind of celebratory retirement aircraft. Mm-hmm. And there's, uh, I, I was very privileged to have been able to work really closely with the, the bandit community, the Nighthawk guys for so cool. a number of years up to, uh, up to their retirement. I spent a lot of time at Holloman and, uh, that culminated in, a number of air-to-air flights, um, and uh, that that particular one was a was a T thirty eight ride at sunset out of Holland. So envious, <laughs> it was incredible. Uh, about two weeks before they retired, so it was like literally a, a one off, last chance capture uh-huh. of history um, that will never be forgotten or never be repeated. Right, so mm-hmm. yeah, it was a pretty pretty special moment, and so that that shot. Uh, found its way into uh the the u.s public domain kind of like a <laughs> on the usaf.mil website uh-huh. and you know that that's fine we, that's 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 what we do right we we give back as well so you know if if there's photographs we've taken of, of a specific event or an air force or a squadron we know whatever you know that you always provide the images back to them and um as part of a thank you right as well as the magazine or you know whatever else the end, end results might be but um, that that particular shot was was a bit of a strange one because I it, it, I gave the images to the pilots that flew them, you know, mm-hmm. as you do. And I, all I can think happened is that one of the guys then was approached by PA at the time and said, "Oh, you know, have you got any pictures um, taken by the unit recently or whatever? I don't know." Mm-hmm. And they they just gave the shots to um to public affairs and that's oh, kind of where okay got then i lose control right and mm. this it's a really important point here because posting on social media and that which this wasn't social media this is before all of that really. yeah believe it or not i do so imagine that <laughs> um so you know, posting on social media now is is kind of like uh you you there's a, an element of acceptable risk mm-hmm. in in what you're doing because People will lift your stuff, and yes, there's watermarks and everything else that you can do, but they can still Photoshop it out. They can still crop it out and everything mm-hmm. else. So mm-hmm. you have to weigh up that risk. And you know, I, I, I perhaps I post a lot. You know, as you guys do as well. It's great. It's what it, that's what it's there for, right? Yeah, right. But occasionally, it does happen that shots get um, misappropriated, and and that is not what happened here at all. You know, it was the USAF. You know the the guys that that I was flying with had uh, asked for the shot, so that's a very different category. But yeah, they they then credited the image to uh, a, a, a lady in in public affairs. <laughs> so I then lost all control of that image, and um, you know, I mean, naively perhaps I don't know. But I, I I then sort of thought, well. Okay, that's fine. Just it's getting getting out there. It's getting use and everything else. And mm-hmm. uh, anyone within the the aviation publishing circles generally, they, I mean, they know they know I did that stuff. They know it's my shot and that that whole sequence of shoots and everything else that that was that was done. It's a you know, there's it's it's not like it's a shot taken at an air show or whatever. There was yeah. only one. Right. There's only one shot of that particular thing right. ever. So it, it kind of lived with it for years, and sometimes it would work, sometimes it wouldn't, and whatever. It was just one of those things. And I don't know about you guys, but so, sometimes the use of st- such stuff, or um, if an image of yours gets misused, or 
you know, misappropriated from social media, whatever. Sometimes it's like, yeah, whatever. But other times it really annoys you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> There's no rhyme or reason to it. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. And when it does, it does really annoy you. You know, it's, yeah. it is it is frustrating. So uh, anyway, yeah, that that um, that that image was was used. Um, a number of times for over years and years and years with the right credit by the by the same people all, all you know and it was never an issue but yeah you know, there's just around it it uh there was a number of factors involved and yeah it, it, you know i just had enough had enough of that one so <laughs> I was like, Come yeah on. yeah it's, I, it's so crazy because i remember seeing those photos for years and i don't remember the credit given on some of the outlets no, that I saw it in. Yeah, it's, that's the thing. It's it, it's not it's not a massive deal. It, yeah, no, it, no, it we, is, we get so it. And, and photographers that are listening, they understand what you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's cool. Because you know, I don't want to make it into a, a, a bigger deal than it than it was. It was a bit of a jokey right. face poster. Yeah, I, and I enough for that day at that time. <clears> it's kind of like, you know what? That's really annoying me now. And how do you phone up the USAF and get them to change a credit on AF.mil? You know? Yeah, uh, I know. But do you know what? Fortunately, someone actually um, provided me with, with the right email address to get that done. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I know, right? So I'm literally in contact with, with that library manager at the moment, and uh, they're, they're locating it and, and sorting it out, which is great. You know, oh, fantastic. That's good. Yeah. yeah, just crack on, just, you know, whatever. But it'd be, yeah. Yes. That's <laughs> so so then, then again, real quick to finish up the F-117 kind of topic, and then we'll let Ryan jump in here. But um, so what what are your thoughts on all this this activity on, you know, the F-117s here in the States? And there was even reports there might have been some in Syria a while back. I know, right? Um, yeah. You know, uh, what, what are your thoughts on what's going on right now with all that? Well, First of all, it's got to be the number one aviation story out there at the moment. I mean, just how cool is it that yeah. these jets are out there now? And they keep tantalizing, like showing us little bits of it and, you know, they, that daylight stuff. When you, we've been tracking them over, uh, you know, doing the flights over the top of the, of the, the, the Nevada test ranges uh-huh. and stuff. And then they come out and start getting involved in exercises in the daylight and people are seeing them. And then they start landing. Oh, I know. <laughs> when they, they've got markings on. It's like, oh my days. <laughs> I can't cope with that. That's just, it's, just, <laughs> it's epic. It's oh. absolutely epic that absolutely. these jets are doing what they're doing. And the fact that no one knows the squadron and what's on that badge and I who's know. flying maintaining them and what those what the pilots are wearing and what they're doing what the call sign oh it's just it's just <laughs> i love it i absolutely love it and you know i've got, obviously got a bit of a connection to that jet because of the amount of work i did with the community so you know i i obviously no idea if any of the guys that were involved back then are still flying it now i don't I, who knows but yeah i would imagine that the the ground crew probably are you know the the, the maintenance guys are you know they could be civilian contractors nowadays that and because that was such a specialist t- uh, role wasn't it yeah you, know, you, yeah you can you can be trained to fly it but quite something else to be able to maintain those jets and the the, the ram and that kind of thing that's pretty specialist stuff mm-hmm. um so yeah i can imagine that there's there's guys involved with it now uh that were with it from back in the day um quite what they're doing i, I would my my guess is is contract aggressor 
you know that kind of thing that red air mm-hmm. um yeah that's not necessarily in the way that well who knows <laughs> but not necessarily in the way that uh, say draken or tack are, are contract aggressors you know this is a really sort of silver bullet specialist yeah this is going on we need to really test this and we've got this asset that can do that mm-hmm. uh, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that kind of like fifth gen stealthy aggressor type probing type testing stuff to, yeah, to see how the systems are responding to a stealthy platform. Um, and obviously there's a, a bit of a capability gap until, uh, the F35s come online at, at Nellis as uh-huh. aggressors. So, you know, it, it adds up. It adds up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we are crossing our fingers. They're going to be involved in red flag 21 dash one at the end of January. Because we're oh, going to be there covering it, and I mean, it. everybody is just going to be anticipating the F one seventeen to be there. So, yeah. Air Force, if you're listening, or whoever the hell's flying them, bring them <laughs> in, baby, bring them in. We need them. We want them. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm not wearing a damn though. <laughs> What's that? I'm not wearing a damn mask though. <laughs> Well, not even one of your one seventeen Black Knight masks. Come on, there you go. I know. There you go. That's right. Somewhere. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> anyway, all right, Ryan, uh, uh, jump on in here, brother. Yeah, no, that's that's fun. I've just been kind of uh, very intrigued and in, in listening to everything. But um, you know, first of all, before I ask my question, I want to say it's it's great to. Uh, talk to someone who shares the same passion that we do because mm. when i hear you talking about the the f-117 you get as excited as we do oh, and okay. uh, oh. it's just kind of yeah. fun to be on the same page <laughs> so we get yeah, you, um, I, I don't think you can do what we do without passion you know getting up that early and driving that far and waiting that long for something that might not even happen yeah you gotta love what absolutely. you do to be able to do what we do oh, you know yeah. it, it is absolutely nothing. true 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 <laughs> Um, um, my question just kind of goes back from, um, your, your experience and when you were like, uh, waiting to hear from the RAF or, or join, um, you know, oh, yeah. one of the things that we, we really love about doing this podcast is we get such a wide range of stories of how people are involved in aviation, where the love came from, um, you know, just what they do. And, and one of our goals is, for anyone that hears this, especially for the younger crowd, if, you know, they want to be involved in aviation, there's just so many paths and oh, yeah. so many stories from people. And uh, we would like to think that maybe if someone heard it, it could help them, um, mm. you know, with something that they want to do with their passion, whether it's the photography or or whatever. But um, yep. my question goes back to uh, your occupation at, at Heathrow. now. This oh, company yeah. you worked for, these these analytics and everything, if because I, I was unclear, I didn't realize there was a, a an occupation that existed. Uh, like you <laughs> said, do these airlines and uh, aircraft manufacturers do they actually pay for this information to help uh, improve their companies to stay like a step ahead of the competition, or what exactly? Uh, what exactly was that occupation? If you could just go into a little more detail with mm. that. Yeah, sure, sure. So there were, there were quite a number of arms to that public, uh, to that company. It was called Air Claims Limited. And, uh, they had like a, a, well, primarily they were a crash investigation company. 
So they would go out to a crash site and and assess who whose fault it was and who's paying for it basically, and that's what my dad was was employed as for uh, like forty years. So I worked for the data side of things, and like I said, I was I was then responsible for um, such publications as Jet Storage Update and things like that, which is you know you could buy this publication, which I think was quarterly, and it would tell you how many aircraft with how many engines and <laughs> how many seats were stored at every single storage location in the world. Now, if you were an engine specialist or a parts specialist, then that was gold dust, you know, because you'd be able to mm-hmm. see, right, well, mm-hmm. Mojave's got 24 DC-10 <clears throat> stacked up waiting to be parted out, and I need, you know, some engines. So that's where I'm going to go. That kind of information. So it was, it was pretty valuable to not necessarily the big guys. I mean, I use the, the example of Airbus and Boeing and BA and Virgin, which, you know, they're, they're going to know, right? They're going to know what their competition's up to. But if you yeah. were mid to a little guy in that industry and you were providing parts or you were seeking to develop a new route or you're an airport owner or um, seat manufacturer, that kind of thing, that because the industry is so wide, so you, there was always an angle that, that's that's of, of interest, right? So, um, as well as the, the stuff like the storage things, we were doing um, regional fleet development, so uh, keeping tabs on all of the regional airlines in the world, uh, world airline fleets, which is the, the the big flag carrier stuff. Um, we were doing uh, upgrades. I mean, that was a massive. Um, publication you know all, all the different types of hush kits being installed to mm. uh, dc9s and 727s back in the day all that kind of stuff who was supplying who and how much they were and all that kind of thing and then the the news side of things which was a, a weekly news bulletin um that uh and i i think i think i ended up editing about 10 of these at once it was so because they were all different deadlines you obviously had like uh fortnightly monthly quarterly annually and weekly so mm-hmm. you know I, I got used to working to deadlines pretty quick <laughs> no I, wow. I can't do anything in life without a deadline now <laughs> you ask my wife <laughs> literally i can't you can just say i'll oh, go and do that and it won't get done till the absolute last minute I have to, <laughs> otherwise nothing happens <laughs> well, wow that's great so that sounds like um yeah, your knowledge must be pretty broad then on just a lot of different topics involving aviation with yeah. being involved yeah. with in data. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm not quite as. Oh, that, sorry. That, that was a, <laughs> it's okay. All three of us, all four of us pick up our that, phones and look. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That, that, that's your wife reminding you of one of those deadlines. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. <laughs> that. That's really nice. Turned off. Um, anyway, uh, what was the question? Yeah, yeah. No, we- oh, breadth and wide, wide knowledge. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I mean, that, that was a long time ago now. You know, that's kind of like early 90s and 2000s, which, which again was a really, you know, um, interesting period for the commercial aviation as well at the time. So, mm-hmm. although I, I very much concentrate on the military side, I think there'll always be a part of me that's interested in the, in the commercial side of things. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a fascinating industry. Yeah, it's great, dude. You know, it really is just absolutely about it. (laughs) Yeah. How about the the recent now now this is this is really, you know, we love the 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 Boeing 747 and it's going to be so just 
sad to not see the 747 in British Airways livery anymore. Oh. And uh, yeah, it uh, really is. Again, another aircraft with character that's just been <gasps> taken away. I know. Yeah, I, I know. can't. And, uh, to think about not seeing the 747 anymore is going to be a yeah. little painful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially in the iconic, all, all those iconic retro liveries that British Airways just recently came out with. I, know, I, I know. mean, it was so incredible. And we, here in the States, we, you know, we live in Utah and it's not a major, our international airport here isn't a major hub. And so mm -hmm. we don't get, you know, a lot of the, you know, quote unquote exotic, you know, no, sure. foreign yeah. carriers in and out of here. I mean, we'll get KLM and their Dreamliners and, you know, stuff like that. But, we weren't we weren't able to see any of those British Airways jets before they ah. retired him because of COVID. So there's uh, another middle finger to COVID just because of another that. One. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. No, I was I'm very lucky to I made the effort to go and see uh, yeah. the final landing at uh, one of the storage locations over here, and the, you know the following those, those jets had uh, was was just was just magical. It really still captures the. The kind of imagination of of even guys that have just got a passing interest in aviation, you know, they they know the jumbo jet, right? Mm -hmm. it, it, it's synonymous with with air travel, and I think the only the only time I saw anything like that was when um, Concord retired. Mm. So that was another absolute icon. Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, it was it was removed too too soon, um, and yeah, that that had a very similar public following. Um, there's no doubt about it. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, we want to talk about these these retirements and stuff, but you brought up something kind of interesting, um, kind of to follow up on Ryan's question about what you did at Heathrow. Um, yeah. So what we've seen over the span of this pandemic from March up until now, you've got these companies out there in the United States, in the UK that design aircraft interiors. Have you seen some of the ridiculous designs they're proposing? Yeah. It's unbelievable. Like all the little cabins inside and, and the, the reverse facing seats and <laughs> yeah, they're insane. Well, they're insane. They might become reality guys. You know, this is, uh. this is the world now isn't it i know <laughs> i certainly hope not was gonna... oh there couldn't be anything worse than being separated by plexiglass for eight hours oh and wearing a mask oh and wearing a mask exactly oh yeah <laughs> so do you do you think yeah. that any of these have a chance of happening because when i see these designs the first thing i think of is safety and i'm not talking about a stupid virus i'm talking about like if they're Getting out. aircraft, it's a yeah, egress airplane. Exactly. What What do you think about all that? Oh, I, yeah. There's so many considerations. I mean, I suppose it's like anything that's um, that changes an industry so dramatically. There's There's always going to be stuff out there that is a, that we'll look back on in a few years' time and go like, "What were they thinking?" You know, there will be a solution out there. I'm not sure. We've quite found it yet, but there's, there's a couple of things I can't unfortunately bring to mind now. But I remember thinking, oh yeah, that, no, that could work. You know, we could, we could, I could see travel happening in that way. But yeah, some of them have just been wacky, outrageous stuff, haven't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. At what point when you yeah. look at this stuff and you think about what 
these people and and, and I get I get it. They're businesses. They're you know this might sound bad. They're trying to innovate, right? They're trying to innovate <laughs> yeah. or profit off of the the current you know times. But it's like when does when does the entire world just go back to common sense? Oh, dude. I, man, it, I just don't know. <laughs> just, like I said, we live in the UK and the US. You know, we've got common sense is a dirty word now, right? Oh, it's, just, yeah. it's gone out. We all long for it. It's just such a, it's been so hard for so many people, isn't it? And, you know, it, we've all been affected in, in it in different ways by by what's happening and fortunately my health wise has, has been okay but mm-hmm. in terms of business and in terms of you know what i see people going through and that it's really been tough so i, th- I think there'll come a stage where we, we just have to start getting back to normal you know there, there's been so crippling in so many areas that mm-hmm. i you know we, we there has to be middle ground found where we're, we're able to do it. I mean, you think about all of the vaccines now that are coming out, which is literally hitting the headlines as we talk, right? Yeah, right. Um, you know, I, I nearly did a, a project, project with Pakistan right in February, I think it was, or was it March? So I was about to go over there for like two weeks. And mm. the amount of stuff I had to swallow and get injected with to go over there, so I've, I've never been before. So, you know, there's like yellow fever, polio, hepatitis A, B, C, I topped up my tetanus. I had this, I had that and malaria so there was like six different diseases i had to be pumped full of to be able to get out there and, and that's just become normal you know if i wanted to go to pakistan and and shoot the stuff i was going to do over there with the air force then they're not going to let me in without those and wow. it's the same with any other uh, african nation or middle eastern nation and everything else so i can see it becoming a bit more normal perhaps in being you know once the mm-hmm. vaccine's there and it's if we want to get back to normal then I, I just can't see any other alternative. And yeah. there's a million arguments against it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like a pro-vaxxer or anti-vaxxer right. or, or anything else. I wanted yeah. to go back to normal. And I was happy to take those normal stuff of, you know, yellow fever, malaria, diphtheria, uh-huh. hepatitis, without a baton of an eyelid. It was just like, okay, yeah, of course I do have to take those because that, that country's good. I, I don't want that. Right. Yeah. So if that becomes the norm in this then uh, it's just gotta have it's just gotta happen yeah uh, yeah. yeah yeah i mean all, all, all these governments and news organizations and 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 companies have really just driven that fear into everybody and okay. so yeah. you know that that's what's really you know when when the fear can be you know taken out of the equation that's when things will start to be you know get back to normal yeah. unfortunately most people don't you know, look at everything, uh, you know, through their own eyes, they just kind of follow yeah. what everybody else is doing and saying. And yeah. so, yeah, it's not until yeah. the, the general public that, you know, I guess I call them the sheep because a lot of people just mm-hmm. follow what's what's being said and don't do their own research. Sure. Um, sure. But, you know, maybe the vaccines will, you know, will help that out because there's a lot of people that Could be. that that will yeah. jump right on board with that. So yeah, I, honestly, those those diseases I just mentioned, they're they're nasty stuff, and yeah. you will die. Yeah, you know? right. And I, I I just it was so natural to think like, okay, yeah, I've got to get that done. You know, yeah. that's just the way it was. Right. And I, I can see it going that well, way. Well, yeah, and I yeah. was in I was in the uh, Air Force here in the U.S., and I remember during base 
training, yeah. running the gauntlet where you, you start at a line and there's like, like 10 people on either side of you and you've got your sleeves up and they just, they just, yeah. you know, every third step and all of a sudden yeah. you've been, you know, inoculated for like 30 different diseases. Exactly. Yeah, I know. Yeah. 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 And that's, and that's normal. It's well, just what the yeah. thing that bothers me the most is they're hanging this over like these immunizations over our heads. If you want to be, get back to normal, you're going to take these, you know, and that's it. It just, it just shouldn't be that way. And I hope it doesn't go that route. Um, Ticketmaster here in the United States, they yeah. basically handle the ticketing for most major events, sporting events, concerts, you know, other mm -hmm. events. And they're saying they're going to require people to either show proof they've had the immunization or show proof that they've tested yeah. negative for COVID. I mean, come on, people. Let's just let's everybody just kind of step back, take a deep breath and kind of reevaluate things. And especially when it comes to aviation, you know, it, yeah, these interiors and Anyway, all right, I'll get off my soapbox, but I want to. Well, I know, I'll, get I it know. Done. I'll get it done for an air show. <laughs> <laughs> can jug me? It, you can jug me with whatever the hell you want if we can just get back to having air shows again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, we've we, in terms of like uh, going over to for a trip uh, overseas, or you know, visiting a squadron or a unit, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know. You, you, they are being mandatory. You know, you have to be in order to engage in this event or with this squadron or do this this assignment. You have to be inoculated. Right. Yeah, that's the way it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's exactly. unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Oh wow! So, Rich, um, I need to know what does a Vulcan sound like when it flies. <laughs> I don't think I can do an impression. My microphone will probably explode. But if you want to give an impression, you can. I was just asking for your description. Oh, no, no way I could do it. it the reason I couldn't do an impression is because it is like nothing on earth. I, I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, what was it? The God of Fire, isn't it, Vulcan? So Jeez, if you can yeah. imagine a, a, a God of Fire exploding with rage and then being powered up to the heavens in a mm. vertical <laughs> massive triangle of engineering marvel that would get you 10 percent of the way to imagining what it was like it was incredible there was nothing like it honestly it, it was um yeah I was, again really fortunate to have seen that display on both circuits you know the first time it flew Indeed. for the year and then and was obviously restored and then came back to life again um until 2015 i think it flew and Ah, uh, yeah, it's so special. The the power that that thing had, combined with the ability to look like the most majestic mm -hmm. flying object you've ever seen, it was yeah, pretty, that's pretty. Again, only Concorde probably comes that close because it's that mix of power and grace mm -hmm. that uh -huh. you know, so many aircraft types lack, or anything lacks in that anything like it. It was. Remarkable. I, I just remember. Yeah, one of the most oh, unique right. looking aircraft. I love how sleek yeah. that aircraft Absolutely. Was. Yeah, it changed as well. So depending on which whichever angle you saw it from and the shape, like the B2 does, right? It's that sort of triangular shape that changes yeah. mm -hmm. yeah. when you look at every single angle. <clears throat> Vulcan was very much like that. Yeah. Mm. I, I've always loved U.S. military aircraft since I was a little kid, you know, going to air shows and having the toys. But 
I always wanted to see and hear a Vulcan. You know, it, it's just, it's so unique. I mean, it's, it's, it's as unique in its appearance as the F-117, but in a graceful yeah. way. Does that make sense? Yes. 100%. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely right. Once you've seen it, you've never forget right. it. <laughs> and, and since we're on the subject of unique, uh, what about the Nimrod? Oh, that was a, that was, yeah. What a, what a machine that was. So cool story about the Nimrod. Obviously everything was hand built because that is, that is a seriously old airplane. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. They obviously tried to update the aircraft to, to fulfill our current maritime patrol requirement that's fulfilled by the P8 now. Mm-hmm. So they, they built the MRA4, which is like an up, upgraded, uprated, super amazing piece of kit inside, but still based on a Nimrod. Mm-hmm. Which was still based on a comet, you know, fuselage. Right. Yeah, it goes back that far. So these things were built by hand, right? So they're they're filling the MRA fours with this incredible kit that's designed and and built in by with today's technology to exact specifications. But the fuselages were not all the same, you know. So some were shorter, some were longer. So the the kit, the kit just didn't fit. Oh, hmm. If it fit one fuse large it wouldn't fit in the next because it was two inches shorter or whatever <laughs> oh, i mean what a machine what a machine to have that four engine smoky yeah. loud beast with all the aerials sticking up all over it and yeah it, it, that was a that was another one full of character that we've we, we've lost but it did have its time you know that's not one that was retired uh too early or anything like that you know that that was a, a great machine doing great work but it, it it was time for it to be replaced by the more modern stuff well, mm-hmm. that was being yeah. on yeah. the haviland comet and so yeah and so yeah i want to talk about the comet really quick guys is that okay aaron right. yeah I'm, I'm good okay so the comet paved the way for commercial airlines airliners in in many ways and and a lot of people might not know yep. the story behind it but the comet was the first um operating commercial jet airliner correct mm-hmm. and yes and several comets were lost and it was a big mystery as to why they were lost but then they finally figured out through research that it was hull fatigue right so, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, trial by error in this situation, you know, lives were lost. But I really think it was a pioneer, not because it was just the first jet aircraft, but because they were able to learn from it. And especially with the structural fatigue, because if they wouldn't have been, wouldn't have been able to figure that out, you wouldn't have commercial airlines like you would today. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. I mean, that again, bringing it back to Farnborough guys, that, that, that structural testing was, was done at Farnborough. They, they put fuselages into the water tank to, to recreate the amount of pressure that the, the fuselage hull would be under. They submerged the, uh, the, the, the fuselages of the, of the comets under this water to see what was happening. And did you, did you know what actually happened as to why the cracks occurred? I remember. I remember seeing the information. I can't remember if it was a documentary, but I don't remember what the exact cause was. I, I, I'll, I'll take a crack at it. I, if, I, if I remember from all my research on the comet, it was the actual um, the uh, the shape of the cabin windows. That's oh it. yeah, uh, right. 
And yeah, they were there. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And they cracked the curd at the the corners of the square, which is why when we fly now, well, <laughs> when we used to fly, when we fly in the future, <laughs> uh, they're, all round. they're rounded <laughs> yeah. because because of that exact fault that they found in the comet. Wow! Really? Yeah. <laughs> wow! <laughs> that's that. interesting to think that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Ooh. Looking forward to getting to flying again, that's for sure. And I, I'm I'm pretty sure it's gonna happen, you know, next year. I've got got some big plans for next year and obviously returning to aviation photography travel is yes. is one of them. We've got some you know, we've got some good ideas of how we can make that work in terms of uh making it safe and secure and still really enjoyable and productive. Uh, you know, we've got a, a bit of a formula we've been working up to try and make that happen. But that's good. Um, I've I've used the, the, the time wisely if I can talk about what, what's coming up for yeah. for car. Yeah, is that right? Absolutely. So obviously we stopped in uh March and I very quickly realized the, the severity of the situation. Um <laughs> And so I, I literally, I landed back from a, a photography trip to Japan on the 28th of March. And we, we were locked down just like, you know, days mm. later. Oh, wow. So it, it all happened really, really quick. So, um, I refunded everything and, you know, sent, canceled all the events. I think I canceled around 30 events this uh, year oh. of, of travel photography and, um, workshops and all that kind of jazz. So uh the first thing I did was was to convert my uh my son's bedroom, which is where I'm currently sitting, which is now an office <laughs> in <the> studio. <laughs> so I've literally got this this uh this room in my house now, which has got a recording studio and filming studio in there. Um no, nothing too grand or anything else like that. It's just got, you know, the lighting and camera and microphones that you, you require for that sort of stuff. And I I, I learned a lot of new skills in terms of video editing and what was working online and what wasn't and that sort of stuff. And I'm going to be launching Co-op online, uh, hopefully in January. That's that's the plan at the moment. It might slip to February, but it, it, we're, we're trying for, for January at the moment. And that's going to be, well, my aim is, mm-hmm. you can tell me if it works or not, is, <laughs> is going to be the ultimate resource for information, entertainment, education and community in the aviation photography world so i've um, got some pretty big plans for that it's going to have uh, aviation photography tutorials on it it's going to have a brand new community site it's going to have a brand new shop um very much looking forward to hopefully doing some sort of collab with you guys on that um yeah. and courses in post-processing and photography and uh just competitions all sorts it's going to be it's yeah. going to be pretty epic i've got got a one of the things I'm doing is is setting up an aviation photography TV channel. Oh, so, so cool! Yeah, this is going to be amazing, and it's going to oh, have nice. uh, interviews with with all of the world's you know greatest photographers, as well as guys that are just starting out in on this journey. And it's going to yeah, it's going to got yeah, some keep, yeah. Keep people. them posted. I mean, we anything yeah. we can do to uh, collaborate, help you out, man. That that's exciting. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I love how active you are on mm-hmm. this. Yeah, it's been it's been good. It's been um yeah, it's been a, a hell of a learning curve with learning all the different skills and stuff because like you know taking stills photographs for for however many years since I was like seven years old, or whatever, mm-hmm. and now going into video and editing and graphics and uh, sound and all that stuff is is you know it's a world of pain out there. But I've you know I'm I'm pretty confident now that the the models kind of right. I've got got some 
cracking ideas, even though I say so myself. How <laughs> <laughs> this is going to work? It's going to be awesome. I, I'm I'm really excited about it, and I, you know, it's um, yeah, you you guys and what you do are, are de- definitely on the on the radar in terms of transatlantic collaboration. Why the hell not? Right? There you go. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Well, we yeah we're excited to see uh, that all come together. Um, cool. Thank we're, you. One hundred percent behind you on that. We can't wait. I I just um saw on a recent facebook post that you're uh you did a video about the five reasons to use adobe lightroom and the five reasons to not use it (laughs) 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 and i you know being the photographer of the three brothers here i think i know exactly what you're talking about because i mean i use my favorite version of lightroom is actually the one on my ipad Um, nice because i love to just be able to you know use my my finger or the pen to you yeah. know, to make my adjustments and not, you know, use the mouse and, you know, on my, sure. my um, uh, iMac. But, but anyway, yeah. yeah, that's, uh, yeah, your videos are so great. Everybody needs to go check out his, his videos where, um, and, and you just find that, um, through your, uh, through the website where, where can everybody find your videos that you do? So there's a there's a co-op online YouTube page and that's you know growing steadily I've I've kind of come off that a little bit at the moment to really concentrate on the on the web-based stuff and that's just going to be coaponline.com uh which is c o a p the co-op and then the word online.com coaponline.com mm-hmm. uh and that starts like I say in in, in January really so I, I I post everything on social media, so just add me up on any of the platforms. Yeah, and you'll see. My, you'll be sick of hearing about it, guys. Honestly, <laughs> you know what? I'm like, <laughs> hey, Rich, really quick though, give us uh, give us a rundown of of all your different like handles on social media, so everybody can start following you. Who who isn't? Sure. Yeah, thank you. So, Rich Cooper UK is my own Insta. Um, and then center of aviation photography is that on Insta as well. So I've got two, two Insta channels and then same on Facebook. So I'm just obviously find me as Rich Cooper on, on Facebook or center of aviation photography on Facebook with the Facebook page. And then the primary, the new stuff, the good stuff is coming on coaponline.com and the travel side of things is center of aviation photography.com. Awesome. And Beautiful. I know, I know Ryan's dying to ask you a question because there's a common, another common thread between YouTube. Put you on the spot really quick. Oh, your, your, your yeah. top three favorite places to shoot or photograph in the world. Oh man. Countries or, or specifics, but places you can, you can. Specifics. I want to hear specifics. All right. Okay. So I'm going to go. One that's close to your heart. I love Nellis. Mm-hmm. I love it. I absolutely love that whole area. And it was super fortunate to spend a lot of time out there at, uh, Lone Pine and Star Wars Canyon and all that kind of good stuff as well when that was happening. So mm-hmm. that whole area, including obviously Tonopah is very close to my heart. Um, but you know, Nellis for the show and for the, the amount of air power in action and I've, I've been shooting there since the early 90s so i just oh yeah. wow everything yeah I, I was out in the desert before the fence was there you know driving between the runways and all that wow. so i love nellis oh uh, my <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I love, uh, 
Hikuri as well, the Japanese phantom base. I feel that that's that's almost been a second home to me over the years. Mm. Um, I say over the years, I haven't been going there that long. I mean, crikey, my my colleague, my partner in crime, Steve, that we do co-op together, he's he's been been there like twenty six times or something crazy. Um, I've probably only only been there about twelve times. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's an active phantom base with some of the best photographic locations you could ever ask for. It's it's, it's amazing. Oh, that wow. obviously this year so you know that that's got to make the list because of how special that that was uh and always will be uh mm -hmm. for me and my third one's really tricky actually uh it's all about location isn't it location and quality of light mm -hmm. and uh, there's, there's some great places like scotland has got a beautiful base called lossy mouth that's at, that's that's just a, a gorgeous place to sit and i obviously live really close to the mac loop as well that's mm. just beautiful the, there's something about the bases of Switzerland that I really, really enjoy. I mean, the 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 way they uh, they're so open. I mean, there's there's just no fences at, at a couple of the bases, and it's the, the whole of the military is just integrated into uh, normal society life. You know, so they stop the traffic to let the hornets out of the mountains. You know, it's just like what? Mm -hmm. What? <laughs> so that, that's uh, that's right up there. The, the the backdrop and the scenery and some good action some great light obviously you've got a lot of potential of snow and dramatic weather as well so that that's wow. for switzerland oh that would be amazing we've never been over there strictly for aviation purposes and uh -huh. you're like just <laughs> i mean we're your description of everything it's just we're just chomping at the bit <laughs> this is crazy <laughs> <laughs> and, and while we're over there, we're gonna have to uh, maybe join you for uh, for a football match, right, Ryan? <laughs> it's got to be done. Oh yeah, we already we already talked about it. Yep. I mean, yeah. there's two things in my life that I involve all my time with, and it's aviation and soccer. And since Rich yeah. is involved in both, then I think we get along very good. Okay. <laughs> Do you like warm beer though? That's the other factor over oh, here. Yeah. The beer's not cold, boys. Bring it on. <laughs> bring it on. We'll take it at any temperature. That's right. Yep. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter it to might me. Be a but, pleasure. Uh, yep. Yep. That would be great. I would love that. Yeah. Um, we we're talking about, you know, you want to give a shout out to your team here, Rich? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I play for the Mighty Snow Goose Hub. <laughs> oh, I can imagine that logo or that shield. <laughs> so, like I said, it's kind of like it's, it's for over 35s only. You, the, the, uh, everyone's, you know, slightly slower. It's a veterans league, so everyone's slightly slower, and the, the shirts are slightly tighter than would be normal. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I compare a lot. Go ahead, Ray. I was gonna say I compare. I compare a lot about. Um, you know, loving soccer to loving aviation. Cause we had mentioned earlier about how, um, you know, sometimes our families or even some of our friends don't quite mm. understand the love of aviation. Um, yeah. Over here in the U S it's kind of this like that with soccer. Cause you have your people who love soccer and they're passionate and it is growing and it has grown since I was a kid, but. Yeah. Then you have your group that think soccer players are a bunch of wusses and you need to play sure. American football. And, yeah, and so, all that yeah. okay, yeah, come on then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, exactly. Yeah, I'm just like, 
anytime anyone has a debate with me about soccer, I'm like, you know, let's just go get a ball and head out on the pitch and let's see how good you are with the ball at your feet. Because normally if you're talking shit, it's because you just can't play the sport. (laughs) Well, that's true. true. I still do that, and I can't play the sport either. So. <laughs> I want to bring up a point about uh, the people that say, you know, soccer players are wusses, they need to play American football. So if American football players are so tough, why do they have to wear pads, shoulder pads, and helmets? Oh, exactly. That's it, You've guys seen rugby, oh, yeah? yeah? I mean, that's, that's brutal. <laughs> But rugby, as, as as amazing as that game is and as brutal it is and as massive as those guys are and how physical it all is, the respect for the referee and the, the authority, it's, that's quite something to witness because they're actually wired up, the refs in rugby. Yeah. So you can hear uh-huh. the players talking to them and they're calling him sir. You know, you've got these giant, massive, like seven foot tall, huge guys <laughs> calling this little referee who's might have made a mistake or not sir you know questioning yeah. his decision just yeah so that's, well, that, that's a very a game. bunch of the american football and i'm talking you know the nfl players they need to learn that kind of respect because pretty soon the nfl is going to be the the snowflake league where it's touch football um, uh, you know, flag football <laughs> just as nuts yeah. as it's turning out. You know, well, how can they how can they play football at all if they're just on their knees the whole damn time? Oh, <laughs> oh and they get to rest. <laughs> they get to rest in between plays too. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So one of, one of my strange as a as a Brit, right? Who doesn't play hockey? Who doesn't play American football? doesn't even understand it uh-huh. my most strangest experience with sport was was in canada which is obviously strange anyway <laughs> being, <laughs> but, but they, they, i went to an ice hockey game uh-huh. and i could not believe i literally was astounded that they stopped the game for a commercial break oh that i is, know it's unbelievable that is Isn't that, that's, um, what is that what how is that sport i mean <laughs> i i i, can't, I just yeah, well, <laughs> I tell you, I cannot, I cannot believe that happens yeah. in that. Sport. Yeah. Well, fo- follow the money. I mean, it's obvious that league is all about the advertising dollars when that happens. Mm. That's for yeah, sure. yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, you know, then you look at the Premier League over here and what the, the guys are being paid. You know, three hundred thousand a week. You know, I that know. sort of level of payment is is phenomenal. And yet, but th- that they still don't stop for a commercial break. You know, so yeah. Yeah, uh, it was it was astounding, absolutely <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, so I wanted to uh, get a cup like a photography question in for you, Rich, before yeah. we we wrap Amazing. this up. We're, I mean, geez, yeah. it's been such a blast having you on. I mean, we could just go on and on. Um, I know that sounds like a cliche and blah blah blah, but it's it really is. It's so <laughs> fun to to be chatting with like minded av geeks. It's so much yeah. fun. Um, yeah, man. So as far as uh, photography goes, um, we have a lot of uh, photographers that listen to the podcast and follow us. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like you use Nikon equipment. Are, I do. Are, yep. Have you always used Nikon? Um, go ahead. No, I haven't. I, so I started with Practica. <laughs> back oh, yeah. way back. And you mentioned Olympus, too. Your father yeah, had given so- you an Olympus. 
That's right. Yeah. So he gave me an OM10, and my, but my first uh, camera of my own was a Practica MTL5. Uh, you know, which here knocking on the microphone is that camera. <laughs> it's right on my desk. Isn't oh, that amazing? that's so cool. That's classic. <laughs> um, you know, it's got it's got screw lenses and you know everything. It's not the bayonet fit or anything. Is it? So yeah, it's a really fight with the camera to take a picture. Almost, it's built like a tank. Um, but I, when I joined that uh, uh, photographic shop that I mentioned just after I didn't get into the RAF, um, the, the owner of that was a big Minolta fan. So I, I went to Minolta hook, line, and sinker, and and they were such an in, innovative company. Yeah. I mean, they were responsible for things like you know the in-body stabilization and stuff like that you know they, those guys that's that's where it came from that mm -hmm. these they were so intuitive in what was coming out and in, in inventive you know they they developed all their focus for crying out loud you know they, <laughs> yeah. um, they, they put stuff into the body that would uh, you'd know what it, it would know when it was being picked up it had eye sensors so it knew when it was being put to your eye so the second it, it picked up the camera uh, became alive, and then when you put it to your eye, it focused. You didn't have to do anything. I mean, how cool is that? Yeah, that's crazy. This is like uh, you know late nineties stuff. And anyway, so I, I went very much into Minolta. Great glass, really high quality stuff, and uh, waited for them to go digital, which they were really slack on. Um, Canon and Nikon stole the show big time on that, and Minolta just dragged their heels. And they were they were struggling financially as a company as well, so they actually merged uh, with Konica. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they were making films and photocopies and all that kind of thing, and that back back then, as well as cameras, and they became Konica Minolta, and that was when they first then brought out their their first digital camera. Uh, that took the Minolta bayonet lenses, and it, what that was great because it took all my old legacy Minolta lenses at once. So mm -hmm. that was two thousand five, I think. I went digital with them after waiting, 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 mm -hmm. and the, the they weren't that good. <laughs> 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 they were a bit rubbish. You know, you couldn't really go above like two hundred or four hundred ISO with it. Um, so <laughs> although I built up, you know, a collection of lenses over the years that I've been ph photographing, I couldn't afford to switch systems i just couldn't do it yeah, so yeah um i stuck with minolta and then they got taken over by sony mm -hmm. and sony when they first entered the the digital dslr market they they were okay you know they, they were right they took on a lot of minolta's um technological advances so they had a, a good head start of it but they, they also dragged their heels back then in the in the early days which mm -hmm. is very unlike sony now right mm -hmm. but um their their flagship uh, pro end camera was was what I was using. I think it was called the Alpha Nine or something like that. Mm -hmm. Alpha Nine Hundred. Um, Sounds right. Beautiful, yeah, beautiful, beautiful camera. Again, just coupled with some some of the old classic heavy Minolta glass on that camera. At again, hundred ISO, two hundred ISO. It was amazing. It also had a massive sensor back then as well for the day. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was the, the first like the twenty megapixels mark. Yeah. So, but that that quickly lost ground on low light performance in in terms of the the, the developments of canon and nikon so uh i i was yeah i was shooting weddings a lot of that time as well and uh doing bits and pieces of aviation and i could really notice the the, the, the shortcomings of it it was brilliant when it was brilliant but it really wasn't when it wasn't so mm. uh fortunately around that time my dad retired <laughs> from a 40-year career at the same place and got a decent enough retirement package and he very kindly 
uh, offered to help swap over to Nikon because he used Nikon, so I could use oh, okay. Nick steal half of his length and uh, <laughs> he allowed me to invest in a in a in a D three back then. Okay, and upped the game significantly in the low light performance area and then especially when i went to the d3s oh my goodness what a machine that was mm-hmm. um then i decided to throw that d3s across the car park one day by accident <laughs> it's just a bag. the bag was undone and i lifted the bag over the top of my shoulder and it flew out like a discus oh. and into a, it still works but it's got about an inch wide bag oh. in the in the t- it's spectacular. <laughs> if you look on my Instagram, there's a picture of it actually from a little while yeah, ago. Anyway, but with that insurance claim, I then managed to get a D5, which is what I use now. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, uh, are you planning on uh, going mirrorless anytime soon? Yeah, I. Yeah, it's it's an open ended question. Yeah, I know. Um, lot, you know, some people are already doing the switch. I I haven't yet. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there are some, some others that are pretty prominent that have, a, I know Frank Crave has just switched to, a to an yeah, R5, exactly, yeah, an R5. Yeah. And that, that was a big jump, that R5. And that, that's what the cameras need mm-hmm. to be is that yeah. level. And, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, fairly recently within the year or so or two, I can't really remember, you know, got into, had the D5 in my possession. So that's a beast, yeah, it, you know, it absolutely it, does. It, work i need it to be. It, it, it's it's fantastic but um i i i still really like the look of the sony's um i think they're a very very good company and i i like their products and i like mm-hmm. their lens range um i see now with the uh only now recently the, the latest releases from nikon have, have really stepped mm-hmm. up to the mark so uh be a bit of an interesting race for sure in the next couple of years <laughs> yeah. as to uh well, that's great. We're looking forward to seeing what you uh, continue to use or if you do some kind of mirrorless. I My biggest thing with mirrorless and why I want to go mirrorless is, I mean, obviously the latest technology, um, but, you know, being able to switch over to video and not have your uh, viewfinder blacked out by the mirror yeah. and and uh, just the speed yeah. of, of the mirrorless yeah. is, you know, and the autofocus systems and how many focusing points there are available. I mean, basically a hundred percent coverage. And uh, so Crazy. looking forward to that. And I know we're probably boring the hell out of Ryan and Tony right now, but uh, you know, maybe they're <laughs> learning something. <laughs> all, all I know about cameras and, and stuff is when I have to carry Aaron's heavy ass bag for him. Go places. That's about all I know about. Cameras. Yeah. I, I, at least I did the word bag there and didn't stop with just Harry Ryan's yeah, heavy ass. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just looking through all your Instagram pictures, so I'm good. <clears throat> yeah, I know. There's a lot of great ones. Uh, yeah, I, I need to get back into the Insta thing a bit. I, I let it slip a bit during uh, lockdown. I was just, yeah, just one of those things. It felt like a bit weird posting stuff from when we could go out and travel and do that sort of thing. I don't know. It was, it was a weird yeah. time, wasn't it? Yeah. So I've let it a little bit, but I, I'll get back on that yeah, for sure. Yeah, we'd love to see you get back on board with that. Um, Ryan and Tony, any other questions? Um, I, I was going to ask Rich. I, I mean, and you guys can certainly ask something if there was something that we we missed that we should have asked Rich. If if there's an experience that that you want to share with us, uh, something that we should have asked you, um, and then Ryan and Tony, you can elaborate on that if you want. 
Yeah, I was just going to ask the same thing. So I, I, I'm good. I, I covered everything that I would love to do. I mean, I could do every week. No, there's nothing else that I can specifically think, oh, I didn't mention that or didn't talk about that. I'm just happy to, to talk about anything yeah. anytime. So well, we'll definitely yeah, we'll have to have you back for a part two. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'd love that. I really would, especially, you know, if I may, when – the new co-op online thing is running. That would be that'd be awesome to to see what you think of it and talk oh, talk about it. Oh, absolutely really cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, you yeah, know, anything I, I, we I, can I, do to help yeah. promote. Thing, yeah, it really is. Can't wait. Before <laughs> we uh, before we end, Rich, just give us just one more time um, your your social media, and if anybody wants to contact you directly, what's the best way to get yep. a hold of you? Okay, so I'm available anywhere, anytime, really. I think you have to be in this day <laughs> yeah. and age, don't you? So it's uh, <laughs> so Rich Cooper UK is my Insta, um, and the co-op Insta is Center of Aviation Photography. Uh, and then on Facebook, there's obviously myself, Rich Cooper, and there's a co-op Facebook page, uh, which is Center of Aviation Photography. And then Twitter is at co-op photo so at c-o-a-p-h-o-t-o um and i think that's about right. it perfect <clears throat> all right well brothers if you if you guys don't have anything else to add for rich uh rich i'm going to thank you one more time for having us on the podcast uh, awesome um oh i did have one quick question have, have you been yeah. able to uh hang out with frank krebis and have a beer or two with him Yeah. Of all the ah, oh, Frank's such a rock star. He's just so yeah. We're we're really good, you know, friends. Um, so we we try and hook up as much as we can. Obviously, that's been a, a virtually at the moment. But um, his <laughs> so his kids and my kids they they are just glued to each other on Snapchat oh, at the funny. moment. Yes. So you know, yeah. So we're we're super connected at any time, really. And uh, we we do holidays together i'll go we go over there he comes over here um so yeah quite quite often yeah so do, do you legend do, does uh you barbecue better than frank or or is frank a better barbecue <laughs> oh no i no, there's no conversation he's, he's the man on that <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> all right cool well, well Tony. So I I live um, I live about an hour and a half away from Nellis Air Force Base. So Aaron and Ryan are in northern Utah. I'm in southern. So yeah. and I've yeah. got one hell of a barbecue grill. So when, <laughs> when you and wow. Frank are over here at Nellis at the same time, we're all oh. going to come up here. Oh, I've got a pool. I've got a hot tub. We're going to let Frank grill for us. Oh. We're going to drink some beers. How does that sound? <laughs> Yeah, I think we're going to shoot that F-117 on finals yes, to Nellis, yeah? Absolutely. We need that. <laughs> All right, That's Frank, if it's wait. on, man. It's on. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right, Great. well, uh, Aaron, why don't you uh, just give us a quick rundown of your social medias, please? Yeah, my so everything aviation, obviously, is through the Ramp Check Global sources at Ramp Check Global. Um, and then me personally on Instagram, uh, at Aaron Rumfollow, uh, that's the same for Twitter and parlor. 
uh, which is the, uh, the the new Twitter-like app. Uh, they don't really censor you on Parler, so that's that's kind of what the movement is on that. But uh, yeah, come find me. I'm also on Facebook. Uh, but again, uh, Ramp Check Global is where you'll find everything that has to do with aviation. Ryan. Ryan. Yeah, uh, you can just find me on my Instagram at rumfollowme. All right. That was nice and easy. Simple. <laughs> so, uh, don't forget. Um, cool. oh, let me just give you a quick rundown of, of me. So I'm still in Instagram jail <clears throat> for my personal oh, Instagram. Right. Yeah, I, I'm pretty vocal about uh, how I feel about every about the last nine months. <laughs> okay. Apparently Instagram didn't like that too much. So um, uh, I don't know. Maybe we need to start a petition or something. But uh, uh, when my Instagram does finally come back up, it's at trumfollow, T-R-U-M-F-A-L-L-O. Same thing on Twitter. So um, let's go ahead, our listeners, if, if you'd like to follow me personally, do it on my Twitter. And that's the same thing at T rum follow. Um, very rarely on Facebook, but you can follow me there as well. Uh, I am on parlor at T rum follow is see, I'm making it easy for everybody. If you, there if you, you can, go. you can, you can find me everywhere else. So would love to have a follower too. If, uh, some of you guys that, uh, were following me on Instagram, come get me on either parlor or, or Twitter. Now for Ramcheck Global. The Ramcheck Global or the Ramcheck podcast can be found on any uh, podcast uh, platform. Um, SoundCloud. The links are also through our website, too. Yep. And I was just going to get to that. Speaking of the website, uh, RamcheckGlobal.com. First off, you can find our aerospace news and aviation, excuse me, aerospace and aviation news website. RamcheckReport.com. Uh, we always keep that up to date. A lot of the latest and greatest aviation stories. But in addition to that, you can also find the hashtag RCG Ramswag store. And, um, I'm telling you, if you haven't seen the Ramcheck Christmas tree skirts, damn. You need to <laughs> yeah. And I, I just uploaded a new, uh, Christmas tree design that actually has um, the uh, has a, a A10 B2 F15 Strike Eagle F14 in aggressor paint F117 uh, three different 64th aggressor or two different 64th paint schemes Super Hornet uh, Splinter Hornet F35 venom f16 and f22 and they're all organized in a beautiful christmas tree so yeah if you want a great quote unquote ugly sweater shirt well there you go for christmas (laughs) (laughs) so yeah you've got an av geek in the family uh you gotta get gotta get over to the ram swag store we have got everything from Christmas tree designs to Christmas tree skirts to, of course, T-shirts, hoodies, mugs, cell phone cases, uh, anything, hats. Yeah, I forgot hats, beanies, hoodies, leggings, uh, bikinis. It's, it's, it's all on there. And remember, the holidays are coming up soon. Uh, this holiday of 
season, of course, the shopping online is going to be absolutely nuts. So make sure you get on there, order now, order early uh, to make sure that you've got this in time uh, for Christmas. So uh, we've got a YouTube channel as well, Ramcheck Global uh, on YouTube. You can check out some of our great videos. And Rich, we are really looking forward to collaborating with you uh, on your project as well. I think that's going to be pretty exciting. Um, yeah, I agree. And uh, also, don't forget about our Patreon page. Uh, there's a link to that through our website, ramcheckglobal.com. You can also just go to Patreon, do a search for Ramcheck Global. We'd love to have your support there. We want to thank our patrons uh, that are already there. Um, and uh, yeah, thank everybody for listening to the podcast. If you're listening to this on Apple, make sure you give us a five star and share us with your friends. Good Lord, did I miss anything? I know. A little bit of everything. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> well, uh, hey, Rich, once again, thanks for hanging with us on the podcast, man. Yeah, thank you, Rich. Thank you. That's uh, so yes, really cool. Thank you. I've been looking forward to it for, yeah, ever since you, you said about it. So, yeah, I'm really, really pleased. It, it's been great to, to meet you online and I look forward to that beer in yeah, person absolutely. for sure. <clears throat> All righty. Well, Perfect. I think if that's it, if that's it from everybody else, uh, Ryan. Thanks for joining. Good day.